Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, where we read, and one other item, uh, uh, the, as uh, Brother Tim mentioned, uh, we have a, a sign-up sheet. This is uh, to help us keep in touch uh, for our prayer letter there, if you like, or other ways to, uh, if you'd like to share with us your address and phone number, and we can get the uh, address to the board so they can put you on the, the, the uh, prayer letter mailing list, if you like. It comes out about four times a month. And uh, my daughter, Geneva, four t- excuse me, four times a, a year, uh, four times a year, roughly, um, my daughter Geneva also uh, uh, produced a, a sign-up sheet. The children have, the older children have a newspaper, which they uh, uh, count things and include uh, items regards their writings and so on. And there's also a sign-up sheet, a separate one there behind the other, um, if there's any interest. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 <clears throat> Let's give our attention to God's holy and infallible word. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let us pray. O Father in heaven, we pray now that thou wouldst take this text and burn it into our souls. Lord, you have given us a command. You have given us many commands. Uh, We are to love... um, We are to honor thee in all our lives, and we are to carry out the Great Commission. But here you have commanded us to pray for something specifically. And Lord, we pray that in your grace and by your Spirit's work in our hearts, you would burden us to pray this prayer and to, as a church and as families and as individuals uh, that uh, know you and love you uh, through your grace and salvation, that you would lead us to pray more as we should and to seek more as we should that thou would send forth laborers into thy harvest. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I think this is mine. In how many places? In how many places has the Lord told you what to pray for? We all know that in the Lord's Prayer, uh, in that model prayer, He gives us various things that we should pray for, right? Among them, Thy kingdom come. But here is another place in the Gospels of relatively few where He specifically tells us something for which we should be praying, for which his disciples should pray. He says directly to his disciples, Pray ye the, therefore the Lord of the harvest, that, in order that, this specific thing, that he will send forth laborers into his 
harvest. What is the greatest necessity? What is the greatest necessity of the world? We could think of many possible answers. We all need water. We all need food. But God supplies these things. He opens his hand. He feeds the, all the living creatures and so on. One of the greatest needs, spiritually, of the world is the word of God, the gospel. Because only through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true, the one and only true gospel, is there salvation. The spiritual need of the people around is their greatest need. And so many that are blinded to it, no? They don't even realize what their greatest need is. They're going about, like he says in Matthew 6, doing this, that, and the other thing, seeking what will they be clothed with, and what will they eat, and what will they drink, and so on, and worried about a ton of things, and yet not worried at all, in many cases, of the greatest need. So the spiritual necessity is the greatest need of this world. And specifically even, peace with God, because if God's your enemy, you're in trouble. And if you're a sinner, you're an enemy of God. If you haven't been saved by grace, right? If we haven't been saved by grace and repented of our sin and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then in a certain sense we are continuing as his enemy. And he's against us. The wrath of God is upon the unbeliever. And it shall remain so if we don't come to faith in Jesus Christ and embrace his only begotten Son, our Savior. Peace with God is the great need and salvation by Christ. And for those of us who do come to Christ and already know him as our Savior, sanctification, Lord, that that, that we would be made fit for heaven, that we would grow in Christ and be filled with faith and made more like him. And that also comes by the word of God. Because you know, not only are we justified through faith alone, but we also sanctified, as Paul points out, through faith. And so as we, the only way we can grow as Christians is as we grow in faith. So we need the word continually. We need to sit under the preaching of the word to come to know the, uh, and believe the gospel, but also to grow as Christians. The world has tremendous necessity, therefore, of laborers prepared to preach the gospel. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need laborers. That for which Jesus tells us we need to pray, we need in order for this tremendous necessity to be uh, met. The world has tremendous necessity of laborers prepared to preach the gospel. In the context of, of this scripture, which maybe you think of from time to time, uh, it's mentioned doubtlessly by uh, <clears throat> uh, missionaries quite a bit, right? Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. But what do we see in the context? <clears throat> we see Jesus concentrating in teaching and preaching. If you look at verse 35, and Jesus went about, it went all around, all the cities and villages, we know he was, uh, you know, when people came to him, he would heal them. But it says teaching in their synagogues. That's the primary thing he was about. He went about all the cities and villages of Israel as he could. Uh, there were too many, of course. 
uh, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So this was what he was concentrating on. Teaching and preaching. He is our great prophet. He came to reveal the will of God for our salvation. Came to tell us of the true God, to declare, as, as John says, right? No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who dwells in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So how do we know God? Through the Bible. And it's the Spirit of Jesus that speaks to us through the Bible. He, he led the prophets and the apostles to write what they did. And we have God's Word. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, teaches men as the Word of God is preached. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And in chapter 11, so that's before our text, in chapter 11, verse 1, we read, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, because he appoints them at the beginning of chapter 10, and then he gives them a long uh, preparatory speech, and only the, the, the discourse, training, indications what they should do. When he made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to do what? To teach and to preach in their cities. So we see that the context of all uh, of this scripture and this call to pray for laborers is entirely Jesus teaching and preaching. And therefore he appoints then immediately in chapter 10 others to do the same. The multitudes have great need of the gospel of salvation. We can see that in our day and age. When we know the Lord, we see the multitudes have great need of the gospel of salvation. That's their greatest need. And Jesus, looking upon them, has compassion on them. Verse 36 and 37. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd or pastor. In Spanish, the word for shepherd is pastor. We just have the one word for the two things. In English, uh, shepherd, you know, usually we think of sheep. A pastor basically means the same thing. Uh, 37. Then saith he unto his disciples. So when he saw and was moved with compassion... When he saw that there was such great need, when we saw the people were going hither and yon and were uh, uh, scattered and fainting and, and in such great need, then he said this to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You and I need to recognize this tremendous Need. You need to recognize the greatness of the need among your neighbors. Oh, they may have a nice lawn, they may have a nice house, maybe a couple nice cars, good job, everything. But if they don't know Christ, they're on the precipice of a Christless eternity. Will we not be moved? Like Jesus, if we have the spirit of Jesus, I think to a certain extent, he will be moving us, right? And the more he fills us with his spirit, we will be moved. The great commandment, 
The second greatest commandment that Jesus tells us is love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, you and I don't want to go to hell. We don't want to perish eternally. And we have, by the grace of God, come to Christ and we know the solution. How can we love our neighbors? We need to be moved with compassion first, recognizing their need. You need to recognize the need of your city, your city's need. You know, ultimately, the only thing that's going to straighten out Baltimore or Kingsville is the gospel. That of the neighboring cities, that of your country, of the countries around you. You know, Mexico, north of, uh, north of us and Canada, uh, and all the world. The great need is the gospel. And he was moved with compassion on those that he saw. What to do then? What to do if we are moved with compassion? What did Christ do? Notice the first thing he did here was he spoke. He said something to his disciples. Christ speaks to his disciples. He makes the need known. He points to this need. And he says in verse 37, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We have a tremendous amount of people around. You know, back then they didn't have the PA system. Right? Uh, so people needed to, to get the word somehow to these multitudes that were around Jesus. And today, we need to find the ways in which we can reach people with the gospel. He speaks to his disciples. He makes the need known. He tells them, Look, the harvest is plenteous, but there's few laborers. There's great need of laborers, of workers, of gospel missionaries, of, of, of church people that will love their neighbor and talk to them about Christ, of uh, uh, Christians who at work will testify of the only way of salvation, to talk about what is the solution to the problems of our country and our, our, our land. It's the, it's the scriptures Following God's law, the repentance of sin, sanctification, love, ultimately. You know, we can't love without God, truly. We need God, who is love, to fill us and enable us to love. And, you know, so all this fighting in the United States and Chile and wherever else, uh, delinquency and, and crime, so on. The solution is, is Jesus. The solution is love in the heart. The solution is a change of heart, a transformation, a renewing of the mind, which all can only come through the gospel and, and the preaching of God's word. <clears throat> Christ is the Lord of the solution. If you look at verse 38, read then, he says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. He is... The Lord, and that means ruler, governor, the, the one who's over it all. He is actually in total control. He says, pray ye the, therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Okay, we've got huge problems. 
We've got huge need, tremendous need of the gospel and of the scriptures and of the word of God and of repentance, following the law of God and so on. Well, he is in control. He has total control of the situation. And he tells us, it's kind of mysterious, no? He could do what he wants, any time he wants, but normally he works through the prayers of his people. So he will move us to pray for our neighbors. He will move us to pray for others. And then he will use us to bring them the gospel and he will answer those prayers that we pray. That's a mystery there of how he gives his spirit. He is interceding for us and for all his elect at the right hand of the Father. And then he guides us to pray for others. And he moves us with the compassion like, his, like was in his spirit. And, and then he can use us for um, their salvation, for their growth, for their coming to know the, the Savior as Lord and Savior. It's his people. It's his harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is his. He came to save and he will save. So no problem here of, you know, we're all, uh, you're a good Presbyterian church here. You believe the doctrine of election, the sovereignty of God. There's not going to be anybody missing from heaven, you know, because we didn't do something. It's our privilege to talk to them about their need. It's our privilege to tell them about Christ and to be the means, like Samuel Rutherford said, if there is one soul in heaven, and he preached to thousands, but if there's one soul in heaven because of me, it'll make two heavens out of heaven for me. Pastor Rutherford. You know, it's our privilege if we can lead a soul to Christ. It's not that God needs us, but we need to let him move in us. We need to let him give us his strength, give us his spirit and and power to be more like Christ. He came to save, and he will save. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how will he do it? How is he going to do this? He says, sending laborers into his harvest. That's what he does. He takes you and I and he sends us into his harvest where where he wants to save people. He wants to save your neighbor when he's in the hospital. Well, today it's it's another challenge. You know, it used to be free. Uh, We could uh, easily go visit people in the hospital, and we did. But much more difficult since 2020 for me or others to visit people in the hospital. But while there's the liberty, we need to take advantage of these things and we need to get the gospel out and speak to people. Um, He will do it by sending laborers into his harvest. As Romans 10, Paul says in Romans 10, 14 and 15, "How How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So let's not move away from this sending business. Christ sends, but he sends through the church. 
That's why we have the Independent Board for Presbyterian Foreign Missions, for example, so that it will facilitate the sending forth of missionaries and supporting them in the work. Pastors also need to be sent by Jesus Christ, not just for someone to get up and say, oh, well, I want to be a pastor and and I'm going to preach the gospel. No, Jesus needs to call them. They're going to be a true pastor of God's flock. And we need to pray that God will raise up ministers for the gospel um, needs of the different churches and so on. In chapter 10 of uh, our text here, uh, after our text, Matthew 10, verse 7, we read, And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ is the Lord of the solution, and the solution was preaching. Okay, He was preaching and teaching, as we saw in the context. And now, in chapter 10, when he appoints his apostles, he says, go and preach. So this was the big thing, the primary thing. It says that right shortly after, he mentions the 12 apostles that were appointed here at the beginning of the chapter 10. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <clears throat> so, pray, ye. That's the command. Plural, all of us, as the church. We need to be praying that the Lord will fe- send forth laborers into his harvest. As in verse 38. This is our first responsibility. Prayer for the sending. As Jesus says in another place, without me you can do nothing. Without Christ, we cannot do anything except mess up things. So, we need to pray for the sending because he is the one that's going to raise up a future pastor for this church. There will be like a permanent pastor here. He will provide the elders for this church. He will provide... uh, the freedom that we need in our country. He will provide the freedom that is needed in the world, at least the level or, or, or those that will, would be willing to go out and risking their lives to, to, to get the gospel to others. He will provide everything, but we need to pray that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I take that as including the raising up of the laborers. We need the, raise, the, the, the laborers, the workers of the gospel the preachers of the gospel, to be raised up and trained. But it's our responsibility to pray. And that's what I'm trying to emphasize to you, as you understand, I think, by this time. (laughs) Pray ye, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. This is your duty. This is my duty to pray about this. Is he your Lord? If we're repentant, if we're saved, Christ is our Lord. He's our master. He's our ruler. And he's telling us what we need to pray about. He's telling you, you need to pray about this. Pray that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. It's his command. It's not like an optional thing that he said. Second, we need to prepare pastors and provide that which is necessary to the sending. Under his direction, of course under the direction of our Lord. We need to prepare pastors and we need to provide that which is necessary to the sending. We have the example of Christ, all of chapter 10 here. 
He appointed apostles, 12, and prepared them. He gave this big, long instruction chapter to them of how they were to go about their mission uh, just about immediately sending them forth. Apostle means sent with the commission. Right? Verse 2 says, Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. Well, that word means sent with the commission. They had to preach. They were, their main task was to preach the gospel, as we saw already in verse 7. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was their main task. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I, I um, shouldn't have done that into the microphone. <clears throat> um, the tithes for the church are not principally, and I have to emphasize this in, in Chile because uh, down there, uh, many of them have the mentality, okay, we support the church building, you know, that for the maintenance of the building. And they forget about supporting the pastors very much. And a lot of the pastors uh, have to work besides uh, in the work of the church. The tithes, they are not principally for the church building. Of course, maintaining the church building is an important aspect of, of uh you know, what we need to do for the testimony and it's a place to meet that the Lord blesses his church with. But it should maintain the pastors, maintain those that preach the word of God so that they may concentrate on the ministry of the word of God and those who are sent forth. So like in in Acts chapter 6 where the deacons were appointed so that the apostles could Concentrate on what? On the ministry of the word and prayer. Their main responsibilities. And so the deacons would take care of the the needy ones. But also, we must maintain the pastors of the church and we must maintain those that are sent forth. We don't just send them forth to another city far away or country or whatever and then they'll just fend for themselves. Now, as uh, chapter 10, verse 10 says... At the second part of chapter 10, he says, For the workman is worthy of his meat. The workman is worthy of his meat. And the Apostle Paul cites this in 1 Timothy 5, where he's talking about the church, and, and he's speaking to a minister, and he's uh, saying that how we need to handle things in the church. The, the elders that rule well, uh, let them be counted worthy of double honor. He says, he quotes this, and he says, The laborer, is worthy of his reward. That is, recompense. It's appropriate that they be recompensed in the work. It's a work to uh, concentrate and be called. And, 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 and you know, we're not just to get up and preach whatever. We should be studying the word of God and, and preaching uh, accurately God's truth. And so it involves preparation and so on. Together with the sending by the church, there has to be a commitment to sustain the servant of the Lord. So if we're going to pray for laborers to be raised up and that Jesus would send forth laborers into his harvest, uh, we should also give ourselves as the church to, to the business of supporting 
the gospel ministry in, in foreign missions and uh, in, in other countries. I mean, in other cities, even in the United States. Uh, you may be uh, in, in, in decent shape to be able to support a pastor here, but there's other churches that maybe have more difficulty and, or will. And, and if we have the means, let's help support pastors uh, that labor in other churches where they're needed in other cities in, in the presbytery or in the country, even in our own country. I'm not, you know, well, I think California is like a different country, so I mean, <laughs> it's a foreign mission field almost anyway. But um, there has to be a commitment to sustain the servant of the Lord. That is, they who labor in the word and doctrine, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.17. So congregations, you should provide maintenance for those that preach the gospel. As in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul asked these questions. Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who plants a vineyard and eats not of the fruit thereof? Or who feeds a flock and eats not of the milk of the flock? So there's a principle that, that, that those who labor in the word of God are worthy of some recompense. <clears throat> and to wrap it all up with some application, recognize the great necessity of laborers prepared to preach the gospel. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let us be prayers for this. Recognize the need of the gospel of your neighbors, of your colleagues at work, of cities, of the country, of the world. Recognize that the greatest need of the world is the gospel, the word of God, and therefore men well prepared and sent by Christ to teach the gospel. If you have abilities for uh, speaking and so on and, and gifts, uh, consider the call of the ministry. We need pastors, we need missionaries that will preach the gospel in this respect. And consider preparation. Consider being prepared for the ministry of the gospel. It's not a very simple thing. Pray for the sending forth of laborers. Recognize the importance of prayer for the progress of the gospel. The church progresses on its knees. We need to pray so that the gospel will progress because, frankly, we can preach the gospel all over the place, in Chile, here, and wherever. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do the work in the heart, then it's it's for naught. We need the Holy Spirit to sanctify, the Holy Spirit to save. We need Christ to be using his word And so pray for those that we send as well, uh, for us, for example, that the Lord will use us in the preaching of his word. Recognize that it depends upon the sending forth of Christ. All this depends upon his sending forth. We don't want preachers that are not sent forth by Christ. I think there's plenty in the United States, sad to say, in the world. But that's part of the reason why we're in such a mess here. Ministers not sent by Christ. So we need to pray that everything depends upon him sending them forth, raising them up, preparing them, and um, maintaining them as well through his people. Now, I want to ask this question. Might this have something to do with liberty also? 
I think so. We must do everything we can to preserve freedom of travel. Governments have been a big problem in the last few years. We ought to seek to prohibit the closure of doors. Remember when a number of years ago, uh, decades, it used to be, oh, it's hard to get into Russia, hard to get into China, you know, these closed places or the Sudan or other Muslim countries. Well, in the past few years, it's been hard to get into almost any country. We should seek to prohibit the closure of doors for the gospel and for missions. And things like the injection certificate, or commonly called vaccine passports, digital ID, uh, the uh, WHO is the World Health Organization, right? And they are advocating and insisting on electronic passports. Well, how are these things going to be used? I think we need to consider these things. Now it's injections. Now it's injections. Later, it will be mission that's prohibited. Oh, Christian missions? No. Doors closed. Your passport won't work. That could very well be the way it goes. Uh, in, in Chile, they had a sanator, sanitary passport. And while we were uh, suffering with the, con- the quarantines and everything, uh, in order to go from one region to the next, there's about 16 regions, like states, and to go from one to the other, you had to get uh, online a sanitary passport, and you had to declare and you know sign that you didn't have a runny nose, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all these different things. There's obligatory testing, and many of you know that you know the, the majority of the tests were shoving the thing way up in the nose, uh, you know, to the hippocampus of the brain. We've got to maintain liberty for Christian missions, if they are a great necessity, as I've been saying. If it's a great necessity to have Christian missions, then we've got to maintain the liberty for it as much as possible. I mean, I'm not saying that Christ can't send somebody into a closed country, but let's do what we can to, to keep things open as much as possible. So pray, pray. And to the congregation, if this is a great necessity... Provide for the preparation of laborers. Be thinking of discipleship, which is what you do in your Sunday school classes. Discipleship of the young, discipleship of all. Uh, Ministerial preparation. The Candidates and Credentials Committee at Presbytery has been thinking and talking about this. Very good. We need to be thinking about how we're going to prepare ministers for the future. Follow this pattern for the work. I'm talking about the pattern of Jesus here in Chapter 9 and 10, let's follow this pattern, which is prayer and then sending. Preparation through what he said to the apostles and provision that he talks about as well. So let's follow this pattern for the work of missions as well. Prayer and sending, preparation and provision. And think of the importance of maintaining missions in your own surroundings here in Baltimore. In this area, greater Baltimore, maintain missions in your own surroundings. That's part of what you, you know, when you support a pastor, you're helping him to be able also to visit the, the ones that visit your church, uh, to visit people where there's opportunity. And he 
to do the work of an evangelist as well as pastor of the church. And of course, he's to lead you all uh, in, in, in the work of being Christians. That, you know, it's not the pastor that, when we talk about sheep, it's not the pastor that multiplies, it's the sheep that multiply, right? For the unbeliever, if there's any unbeliever present right now, recognize the necessity of having someone who will preach to you. You need to be under the preaching of the word of God. That's what God uses to give you faith and salvation through Christ, which is your desperate need. So maintain yourself under the preaching of the word of God. Here you have visiting pastors, different ones that preach every week. Praise the Lord for supplying. Be here to hear the word of God. And all of us to grow and to be sanctified and made more like Christ need the preaching of God's word. How shall they hear without a preacher, says Paul. And place yourself, maintain yourself under the ministry of the word of salvation if you're not yet a believer in Christ. That's one of the most important things for your soul. So pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth, that he will raise up and send forth laborers into his harvest and let us be a part, giving ourselves to be those laborers, uh, giving our sons and daughters to be wives of uh, perhaps missionaries or pastors uh, and um, uh, being part of the sending forth process as the church sends forth and supports those who preach the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, challenge from your word and from this command of our Savior. Lord, we are not worthy to even uh, be able to serve you at all, um, but you are a, a wonderful Savior and Redeemer who sent forth your only begotten Son, the great preacher, the great prophet, um, and our holy priest to give his life and to redeem sinners on the cross and to raise from the dead to send forth your spirit to us and and to be our our good pastor and savior Uh, lord we thank you that then we have the privilege of loving and serving one another of being part of your church family the bride of christ and and of raising a testimony and being used of thee in the lives of others. We do pray, Lord, that you would lead us in this matter of prayer and help us to keep before us, that you would keep before us this matter of praying for um, you to send forth laborers into your harvest. This is great need. This is a great need in our own presbytery, and it's a great need um, for uh, gospel missions and for our country and all over, Lord. And help us, Lord, as well in our interactions at work and school and other places to, uh, while we have the freedom, speak to others about Christ. They need your word. And Lord, we pray that you would glorify yourself, your son, in continuing to build your church. Bless this group of believers, Father. We thank you for preserving them, for helping them, for... um, Uh, providing for them. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to edify and build your church and keep it here uh, for your glory and honor 
in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.